All right. Thank you, Brother Tim. Uh, Tonight, right after the service, we need some help to tear down the auditorium. We are back. Boy, I sound like I'm in a cave or a well or something. Uh, just a little bit tonight. Uh, we need some help tearing down the auditorium. We're back to school. Boy, has it been a week. Uh, this place is crowded and a wonderful, wonderful spirit. And uh, praise the Lord for that. But with the bad weather, the kiddos have to stay in here. So uh, if you can help us right after the service uh, to tear down, we sure would appreciate that. That would be a real blessing uh, for us so that we don't have to try to scramble and do it in the morning. In uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the last uh, chapter of this book we're going to try to finish tonight, we've been studying it all summer long. It is the final testament of a man who started out so well and ended up so wrong. Solomon, the man who had more wisdom than any other human being of his day, along with that wisdom, God gifted him with tremendous wealth, tremendous, tremendous influence. But at some point, Solomon decided to ignore the wisdom of God and trust the wisdom of Solomon. Um, a lot of it was, uh, it, it, it won't hurt me, I can control that, and he gave himself over to things, not necessarily always things that were bad. Uh, he wanted to study and become as educated as he could on all types of matters. He tells us about that. Um, he planted uh, uh, vineyards and, and had farms and animals and uh, studied and, and worked at all of that. But some of it was wicked. He said he gave himself to wine and to pleasure and to mirth. We know that women were a terrible issue in his life. 700 wives, 300 concubines. Again, no record that any one of them was a Jewish girl, a godly girl. They were heathen. He married outside the will of God. And we know that because he married people from nations that God told the Jewish people, you cannot ever intermarry with them. The Bible taught us in 1 Kings chapter 11 that his wives turned away his heart and it was no longer perfect towards the Lord. And he began to build temples in Jerusalem uh, for all of his, his pagan wives. And there's evidence that he worshipped in some of those. Um, and and this, this man that, that uh, had it all in front of him just decided to throw all of it away. So he writes this dark gloomy testament at the end of his life he calls himself the preacher and he's going to give a final sermon we don't know if this was right before he died we do believe that it was uh, in his old age and the most often repeated phrase is vanity of vanities all is vanity and vanity means empty now he's not saying that living for the lord is empty he's not saying reading your bible or praying is empty uh, he's talking about everything under the sun, meaning in this life, uh, when you give no thought to eternity, what goes beyond this, if you're living for everything now, it's all empty because you're going to take none of it with you. As he draws everything to a conclusion, we looked a couple of weeks ago, last week we had the children's service here, and he gives us four pieces of counsel, starting in chapter 11, verse number 9. He says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. Walk in the ways of thine heart. Enjoy your life. Rejoice. Be happy. Um, enjoy your youth, because it ain't going to last very long. You, you feel like it is, um, but uh, in one of these days, you're going to be where I am right now saying, where did the time go? He said, but rejoice in your youth. 
Uh, you, you've got everything in front of you right now. But he gives a warning, the second piece of counsel in verse 9. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. The second word was reflect. Realize that there are consequences, both good and bad. You sow the wrong seed, you reap the wrong harvest. He said, so while you're rejoicing in your youth, be very careful what you choose to do with your youth because there's a judgment coming and not always is he talking about the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, sometimes that judgment's here and now in this on this earth. The third piece of advice is verse 10. Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart and put, evil, uh, put away evil from thy flesh for childhood and youth are vanity. Remove the things from your life that are going to take you to the wrong place, that are going to have the wrong uh, outcomes or consequences. Um, I, I marvel sometimes when people sue tobacco companies because they got lung cancer or emphysema from smoking cigarettes. And it's the, uh, the tobacco company's fault, and I think it's a bad industry. Um, it, it's caused you know, immeasurable uh, physical harm and damage for uh, decades and decades and decades. But uh, question, is there anybody here that does not know that cigarette smoking is bad for your health? Is there anybody here? We got some, some junior hires here. How many do know cigarette smoking is bad for you? Okay, um, you, you, you go ahead and do it anyhow, and then you get a, a disease and you sue the people that made the cigarettes. To me, that makes no sense whatsoever. What makes less sense is when the courts rule in their favor. Um, it, it's like I, I want to take out a student loan, but then I don't want to pay it back, and I want the government to pay it back for me. Um, how many think they ought to do that with mortgages? Yeah, I mean... Why not? It's the same principle in it. You know, they, they signed the dotted line. They knew they had to pay it back. Um, but see, we, we want things with no price tag attached. And we want to do things uh, without the negative consequences. And sin does not work that way. Solomon said, be smarter than I was and remove the things from your life that are going to bring you that judgment of God, the wrong judgment, because your youth is temporary. But the rest of your life is a very long time. Old age is a long time to live with regrets. It truly is. Then he gives another piece of advice, chapter 12 and verse 1. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. He said, rejoice, reflect, remove, and now remember. Put away the things you ought not do that are going to lead you to the wrong place. And just remember your creator. Uh, put God first in your life. Uh, just, just do what's going to please him while you're young. You won't have any regrets when you're older if you do that. That's what, what Solomon's saying. From verse tw uh, 1 of chapter 12, Solomon is going to spend the, the, much of the remainder of this chapter on the subject of what old age is like. Some of us really don't need to read about that. We've got that down to a fine science. Uh, he is going to use some uh, illustrations and terminologies that to us seem very, very strange, but he's actually employing ancient Jewish po uh, uh, poetic devices. 
Um, it, his author when, or his audience, when he penned that, would read it, and they would know exactly what he was talking about um, because in different cultures, in different time periods of history, we refer to things differently. For example, we say, I love you with all my heart, okay? Um, in the days of the Apostle Paul, we would say, I love you with all my bowels. Can you imagine what their Valentine cards looked like? Wow, that would be disgusting, wouldn't it? <laughs> their Valentine party. You know, we got chicken gizzards here and all this kind of stuff. But to them, that was like the, 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 the center of your being and uh, so forth. And of course, we're not referring to the physical organ anyhow. And they weren't really either, but that's how they expressed it. So, uh, you know, we look at these last few verses of Ecclesiastes 12, and it's like, what on earth is he talking about? Um, but uh, we're going to try to make some sense of it. So he's talking about remember your creator now uh, while the evil days come not. And he's talking maybe about the days when you're paying the consequences of sinful choices. Evil days can also refer to difficult times in life. We all go through them. Uh, he can, he's also talking uh, about, about old age and uh, the hardships sometimes that it has, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. Everything has a cycle. Everything has an end. He has taught us that over and over again uh, in here. Um, and so now he's going to describe the next uh, couple of verses about old age. And we're going to see if we can figure out what he's talking about. He says, in the day, verse 3, when the keepers of the house shall tremble. Now he's talking about the physical effects of growing old. Okay? Uh, the keepers of the house shall tremble. What do you suppose he's talking about? We're talking about physical Characteristics of getting elderly. None of us are elderly, right? So we don't know that yet. The keepers of the house shall tremble. Your hands. Have you seen an older person? Sometimes they're, they're like this. The keepers. Of, you might want to write these in your margins so the next time you read it through, it's like, oh yeah, that's what he's talking about. The keeper of the house shall tremble. The strong men shall bow themselves or, or bow themselves, more like bow themselves. The strong men shall bow themselves. The back, but it's plural. It could be your shoulders, yeah, they get stooped. It could also be the legs. Um, it, the shoulders kind of makes a little bit more sense uh, on that. Uh, when and the strong men shall uh, bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few. This is a pretty easy one. What do you think he's talking about? Yeah, your teeth fall out. In his days, they, they didn't have denture and denture cream and all that other kind of stuff. Uh, so he's talking about the, the very good. You picked that up. Those that look out of the windows be darkened. Yeah, your eyes and the vision starts to go. If that is a sign of old age. Um, I became old when I was nine years old because I needed bifocals back then. But he's talking about uh, when it just is uh, their cataracts, that type of thing uh, that comes along. And the doors shall be shut in the, shut in the street when the sound of the grinding is low. 
you suppose he's talking about there? You're hearing. You're hearing. Um, and Trina's family hearing loss uh, was rampant. Her grandfather had hearing aids, and you had to repeat everything, and you had to repeat it loudly. Uh, her dad had hearing aids. If you walked into the house, he had the, t the television on, and it was like you could hear it down at the end of the block, uh, you know, that type of thing. And it, was, it just ran in the family. Um, and so that, that hearing loss, he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. What do you think he's talking about there? What's that? Waking up too early. I'm really afraid because I wake up at 4, 4.30 every day without trying. I don't set my alarm. It's like, I wish that wasn't in the Bible. Uh, waking up with the birds. Remember, how many have heard that little phrase? Okay. Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high and fears shall be in the way. Yeah, getting afraid of falling. Welcome to my world. Uh, I was talking to somebody from Amputee Blade Runners today. Uh, he's an above-the-knee amputee. He was the first one uh, to get one of their above-the-knee running blades. And he said, I'm just going to tell you now, you are going to fall more than you've ever fallen in your life. I'm like, oh. I said, I'm already really good at it. He goes, oh, you're going to get very good at it. Uh, so I'm rethinking the whole thing. Uh, but that's not because of old age, it's because of, of, a, of a disability, but afraid of falling. Uh, the almond tree shall flourish. Ken's pointing up here, right here. The, the almond tree has white blossoms on it. And so the almond tree shall flourish. Now, my mom, when she was a redhead, and uh, she had white hair when she was 32. I mean, completely white. Uh, but uh, for most people, except for my mom and George Stewart, it waits until they get a little bit older than that. Uh, so that the hair turns gray. Desire shall fail. You kind of lose interest in a lot of things that before were real important to you. Uh, and you just don't really care because man goeth to his long home and the mourners go about the streets. Of course, he's talking about death. And... Uh, so he's, he's, painting, he's painting a poetic but kind of a bleak picture uh, of, of old age. And there's an emptiness about it. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way. But for Solomon, it was. You know that Moses was 120 years old when he died. The Bible says his strength was not abated. He was a strong, healthy 120-year-old, but God said, it's time for you to come to heaven. And he went up in, into the mountains, and, and uh, he died, and God buried him, uh, and so forth. Uh, Moses didn't live his entire life for God, but the last 40 years of his life or so was, was totally dedicated to his God and so forth. And uh, his old age was not the same as was Solomon's. Now he's going to switch subjects just a little bit, and he's not talking about the physical body. Um, he, he's going to look at, at old age and uh, particularly death this time uh, from, uh, again, this is Jewish poetry, their symbolism and so forth, and we're going to see if we can figure it out. 
Um, it's about death, but it all relates to an aspect of the human physiology. Okay, verse 6. Or ever the silver cord be loosed. What do you suppose he's talking about? There's a part of our body we call a cord. What's that? No, he's talking physically. They're uh, talking about the human body, our physiology. We have a spinal cord. Okay? Uh, a broken back type thing. Remember, at Solomon's age, he saw people die from a lot of different causes and things like that. So uh, uh, most every commentator, especially the, the Jewish historians, uh, say he's talking about the spinal cord, and I'll take their word for it. Uh, or the golden bowl be broken. Yeah, your, your head, a, a head injury. Okay, the golden bowl be broken. The pitcher be broken at the fountain. I believe it's raining. How many are glad we got a new roof on this gym a few years ago? Remember when it used to rain as much in here as it did up there? Uh, uh, the pitcher be broken at the fountain. Something about something spilling out. Blood loss. Okay, generally that's agreed he's what he's talking about. Or the wheel broken at the cistern. Most scholars uh, agree he's talking about the heart, you know, a heart attack, you know, something like that. He, he's talking about the, the different parts of the body that fail, that cause uh, man to go to his long home. So he is using poetic license here. But he's, he's talking about that which is inevitable, folks. It, it, it's going to happen. Going to happen. Um, if you live to old age, praise the Lord for that. I, I think I may have mentioned this last Saturday. Uh, a lady that I knew in Palmyra, New York, June Young, she's the pastor's mom, uh, celebrated her 100th birthday. Uh, the last I knew, she was still driving. And not like my my wife's grandfather who should have stopped driving when he was 60. She's a good driver. She's very active. Uh, she she uh, crochets and knits and makes handmade dolls for her grandkids and, and visits shut-ins. And I mean, she's just, you, you'd look at her and think there's no way this lady can be 100, but she is. But you understand sooner or later, it, you know, the Lord tarries. Uh, she's not always going to be that way. The age is going to have that effect on us. Then the Bible says in verse 7, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Keep your place here. Turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Verse number seven, as we're reading about that sixth day of creation, God spends some time specifically on the creation of man. It says in verse seven, and the Lord God formed man of the what? Dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Chapter three, this is where man sinned, and the wages of sin is death. And that was, that was about 
that was already happening to him spiritually. Uh, he had died and physically they began to die. Uh, as the Lord talks about the, the consequences of his sin, verse 14. Um, no, I don't want you 14. Verse 17. And unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Boy, that's pretty bleak, isn't it? But... Uh, uh, it, it's, uh, that's, that was the penalty for sin. Man was created from the dust of the earth and God took that dust and performed a miracle and made something marvelous. And sin, as it always does, takes that which God made marvelous and makes it something terrible and something heartbreaking. So back in Ecclesiastes 12, he said, uh, the day will come when these things will overtake every one of us, should we live that long and the dust is going to return to the earth. Verse 80, summing up life, possibly, most likely, his life, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. He started out with that statement and he's bringing that here at the end. And moreover, because the preacher was wise. Now stop for just a minute. Um, the Bible says that God said, ask what you want, and I'll give it to you. Solomon said, give me an understanding heart. Give me a wise heart to rule your, your people. They're a great people, and God gifted him with wisdom above everyone else. Yet the, that man with all that wisdom married 700 ungodly women, 300 others. Um, he, he lived in a lot of decadence and drunkenness and sin in all of that. Why, why does the Bible say because the preacher was wise? Have you ever thought about that? Why does it say because the preacher was wise? Linda? Yeah, that's in, that's in essence what the whole book of Ecclesiastes is. Do as I say, not as I do. Uh, it says the preacher was wise. One of the takes on that is it's past tense. Used to be wise man. The other take that I believe is also true, God gifted him with wisdom and every time he made the wrong decision, he knew it was the wrong thing. When he married his first wife, the daughter of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, he knew that was wrong. He knew that was outside the word of God. The wisdom was there. He chose to ignore the wisdom of God. Chose to ignore what God said in his book. And this book is wisdom. Uh, the, the, uh, the Bible says in Psalm 19 that it makes wise the simple. Solomon knew what God said, but he decided to trust his own wisdom. It, it won't be such a bad thing. It'll, it'll, it'll make a political alliance between me and Egypt, and it'll strengthen both of our kingdom. I'm sure he rationalized and justified it in every way that he could, but the wisdom of God said, don't marry the heathen. The wisdom of Solomon said, but I've got good reasons for disobeying God. Can I just say this here? There's never a good reason to disobey God. 
there's never a good reason. Um, and yet this man, he knew right from wrong. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. That's what he's doing in his old age. He's saying as exactly what Linda just said, folks, do not do as I did. Do what I say. What I'm telling you is truth. The Bible says, yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. What do you think he's referring to? He is the preacher. He identified himself as that in chapter 1. So what is he talking about uh, that he, he uh, sought out acceptable words, upright words, words of truth, uh, and so forth, and set, set them in order? What do you think he's talking about? Go ahead. Yeah, the book of Proverbs, collection of the sayings of Solomon. He wrote 3,000 Proverbs. I think there's about 275 of them collected in the book of Proverbs. And he sought all of those out. And Proverbs, like Ecclesiastes, written to the next generation, uh, passing on what true wisdom is really all about. And uh, he's testifying that. Verse number 11. Verse number 11 he says, the words of the wise are as goads, G-O-A-D-S. Word we're not real familiar with, but all of the people in Solomon's day would have understood that. A goad was generally a long stick with a pointy end. And if you had a team of oxen or, or donkeys or whatever uh, pulling a wagon, or a plow, something like that, or even one animal. And uh, the animal wanted to do its own thing and it needed to go straight, but uh, it wanted to turn this way or the other. Uh, what they would do, they'd have this thing, they generally called an ox goad. And uh, whoever was behind the plow or on the wagon would just poke it into the rear flank of that animal. So if he's going this way, and he's supposed to go straight or whatever, he'd, he'd poke him here and he just automatically flinch and correct course. Um, and so forth. The words of the wise are as goads. They prod us in the right direction. They, they point us. They, they, they remind us, hey, that's, that's the wrong way to go. Um, and, and the words of the wise uh, prod us in the right direction. He says, and, and as nails fastened by the masters of assembly. Um, they're solid, they're stable, they have a, they have a solid foundation. Um, he, he's giving that, that kind of an idea uh, of, of uh, what the words of the wise are. It's sort of like the Savior talking in Matthew chapter 7. We've referred to this a lot in the early days of our study of Ecclesiastes. The, the, the wise man who built his house upon a rock. Okay, the strong foundation and the winds came and the rains and all of that blew against it. And it, it held firm and it held fast. He said that's what the words of the wise are. So if we... Understand his wisdom is recorded for us in the book of Proverbs. Those, those Proverbs will prod us in the right direction. And the, the book of Proverbs, a marvelous book, it covers pretty much every area of human life. It covers our words, 
uh, the way we talk, the way we treat people, our work ethic, our friendships, dating, uh, marriage, our walk with God. I mean, it pretty much covers the gamut of the whole of human experience. And he said, those words will, that will, will lead you in the right direction. And those words will give you a solid foundation, which are given from one shepherd. Solomon's not claiming that he is the author of divine inspiration. He's claiming that those things that he penned came from God. Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 1, he said that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's where wisdom starts. It all starts with the Lord. Keep your place here and turn, if you would, to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. In verse 16, Peter is writing... He said, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, talking about his first coming, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. As we'll understand from what we read next, Peter is talking about the night that he and James and John were taken by the Savior to the top of uh, the mount, we call it now the Mount of Transfiguration, and there Christ was transfigured before them. And it, he, his apparel began to uh, shine, to glow. Uh, the glory of the Lord is like his deity was bursting through his humanity uh, and so forth. He said, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty for he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So Peter's saying, look, we didn't make this stuff up. Okay, we're not just spinning a tale. We were there. We were eyewitnesses. And he gives that one illustration of the Mount of Transfiguration. And while we were there, he said, we heard the voice of the Father talking from heaven. This is real stuff. But in verse 19, he says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. He said, you don't want to believe what we have to tell you as eyewitnesses. We have something that's even more sure than that. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed is unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn, the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. You cannot make the Bible mean whatever you want it to say and be honest about that, okay? That is impossible. Um, uh, I'm not going to read the Bible and find out that the Bible teaches that once I'm saved, I'm given eternal life and I'll never perish. And Tim's going to read it and find out that he can lose his salvation if he ever sins again. Not going to happen. Same Bible's not going to say two diametrically opposed doctrines. Um, is of any private interpretation, for prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, here it is, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's where we got Genesis, and that's where we got Obadiah. Um, and, uh, of course, now what Peter's writing in the New Testament, and that continued on uh, through the canon of the New Testament. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the author of this book. When you go back to 
Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Again, the words of the wiser as goes, they prod us in the right direction. As nails fastened by the masters of assembly, they give us strength and stability and a strong foundation, which are given from one shepherd. Solomon is letting us know not, what, not only was the book of Proverbs inspired by God, but so was Ecclesiastes. So was Ecclesiastes. God said, Solomon, I want you to sit down and I want you to be painfully honest. And I want you to write to future generations about how you ruined your life. I want you to write it down. Because I want them to learn from that. And I also want them to learn there's a better way. Realize how humbling that would be for Solomon? How humbling it is for anybody that's messed up to have to face up to all of that. And further, verse 12, by these my son be admonished. Listen to this. Listen carefully, he said. Learn. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is weariness of the flesh. What he's saying is there's no point in going to school. It's just going to wear you out. Wrong. He said there's no end to books. Uh, the Library of Congress. Tim, do you know how many books are in the Library of Congress? He's, I ask him, he's a wealth of useless information. Many. Okay, that's a big number with lots of zeros after it. My book is there, hidden somewhere in the archives, uh, and all of those kind of things. Um, there's, there's a book at the uh, library at Yale University written in a language that nobody understands. There's one copy of it in the world. Nobody knows what the book is about. Uh, it's a very, very old book. Steve, did you ever see that when you were a student there? Uh, we saw it when we were down, or they just told us about it, and, and we, we saw some pictures and things like that. Uh, Solomon's saying, man, people are always writing. People are always expanding knowledge. Um, but it, it, it's amazing how uh, science books kind of get a little bit outdated because, you know, bloodletting used to be how you got rid of diseases. <laughs> and, and now we know that's the worst thing you can do is to have somebody lose all of their blood or a whole bunch of it. He said, look, you can study and learn everything this world has to offer, but in the end, it's weariness of the flesh. Verse 13, here we go. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Here's what, all, here's what my whole book's about. Here's what I really, really want you to learn. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Here's a few things I jotted down for myself that Solomon wants me to know. Thomas, get your wisdom from the right source. Get your wisdom from the right source. Many times we went to James uh, chapter 3 where it talked about the wisdom of this world as opposed to the, the wisdom that comes from above. He said, get your wisdom from the right source. Fear God. I know the world's persuasive. I know the world is bullying if you don't agree with them. Haven't we seen that a lot lately? If you don't agree 
uh, you know, all of a sudden you, you, you are some terrible person, you're hateful, you're ignorant, you're stupid, and all of that. And the world is like that, but fear God. Get your wisdom from the right place. Young people, it's safe to trust the Bible. It's, it's safe to trust the Bible. Get your wisdom from the right source. Solomon said, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Number two, don't just get your wisdom from the right place. Solomon did that. Fear God and keep his commandments. Apply the wisdom of God to your life. And that's where Solomon strayed. He had the wisdom, and for the first several years, it looks like about 14 years, Solomon applied that wisdom, and God blessed him, and God used him not just to construct a temple, but to influence every kingdom in the ancient world. They all came to him for counsel. God used him. And at some point, he left the wisdom of God behind, and followed the wisdom of Solomon, the wisdom of the word, he wasn't keeping it. Uh, it's not enough to know how to be saved, you need to be saved. It's not enough to know that something is sin, you gotta, you've got to avoid that sin. Um, so uh, get your wisdom from the right source, uh, source, apply the wisdom of God to your life, and the last thing that stands out is the wisdom we choose to follow, and we're all following something. Everybody in this world is following something. Uh, the, whether, whether they're out parading the streets, you know, down with the police, they're following a mindset. Whether it's Black Lives Matters, they're following a mindset. Whether it's pride, it's following a mindset. Whether it's Christ, it's following a mindset. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Everybody's following some type of wisdom. Every one of us, we're following something. Choose it wisely because the wisdom that we choose to follow will answer for before God. For, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. We know the regret of Solomon's end days, don't we? We know that. And it wasn't a good thing. It wasn't a good thing. I do find it almost comforting, though, that the Lord's, remember, the mercy of the Lord endures how long? Forever. It's almost like Samson, after he lost his eyesight and his strength, he was in the temple of Dagon, and they were all making fun of him, and there were, there were 3,000-plus people there. And Solomon, or I'm sorry, Samson cried out uh, for the Lord and asked him to use him one more time. And God gave him that supernatural strength and he pulled down uh, the central columns of that, that massive structure and it collapsed in, on all those people. The Bible says he killed more in his death than he did in his life. God, God forgave him and blessed him one more time. It's almost like God did that with Solomon. Solomon, you have made a total mess out of everything total mess out of everything. But I want you to write about it because I'm, I, I want you to write about it in such a way that you'll save somebody in a future generation from, from making the same mess. We learn by education or we learn by experience. And when it's the, the wrong thing, experience is a terrible teacher. Terrible teacher. 
So again, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for...